strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And this week, we are going to talk about the Texas City Explosion of 1947. I don't know this. I, I'm glad. You say Texas, and I just think it has to do with an oil field of some kind. Am I right? Maybe. Mm. But, but before I get into it, I just wanted to remind everyone to check out NotoriousNarratives.com, where you get links to our Shopify, as well as our Patreon, and links to our iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, we have the Shopify store up now, and we have some pretty awesome merch on there. Some sweet coffee mugs, as well as stickers, hoodies. T-shirts. Yeah, T-shirts with... um are famous maybe not so famous <laughs> saying but famous if you've listened to us for long enough and you know that we say history sucks for women pretty frequently and we made that a t-shirt and a mug and a bag we have a lot of tote bags yep, and uh, iphone cases so go ahead and check that out at notoriousnarratives.com so what exploded robin a lot of things exploded so let me get into it so a little after 8 a.m on april 16th of 1947 one of the largest non-nuclear explosions to ever happen destroyed the Texas City port, killing hundreds of people, including 28 members of the Texas City Fire Department. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not a Texas city. It's Texas City Texas as... City. Is it, it's, it's a city. Texas City is a town. Is Texas City in Texas? Mm-hmm. Okay. So is it like by Galveston-ish? Um, I don't know. It's 40 miles outside of uh, Houston. So, and south. So Houston's here and it goes south, south east. Okay. West. East. <laughs> we we always tell you we're bad at american geography <laughs> the ss grand camp was a french cargo ship that had arrived to pick up a load of ammonium nitrate fertilizer this fertilizer was to be delivered to farms that were recovering post-war europe the ship came from houston that was a port that did not allow the loading of these type of chemicals the workers noticed that the paper bags of the ammonium nitrate that they were loading up had felt warm to the touch. It was after 8 a.m. that a longshoreman noticed smoke coming from the Grand Camp. Isn't ammonium, ammonium nitrates also used as smelling salt? Yes. Workers had already loaded 2,300 tons of ammonium nitrate that was laced with flammable anti-caking agents like petroleum and jelly and paraffin wax. The Texas City Volunteer Fire Department was called, but the fire continued to grow and the hold of the ship continued to get hotter. According to the Texas City Library, the ship's captain tried to extinguish the fire by forcing steam into the cargo holds, but the steam liquefied the ammonium nitrate to produce a nitrous oxide, which is a very dangerous substance. There was enough of it in the hull to fuel a large explosion. The fire sent billowing smoke across the city as crowds gathered at the docks to watch the firefighters fight the blaze. The smoke now turned into a really odd yellow-orange color. I feel like that is incredibly ominous. I mean, I know that fires on ships are incredibly dangerous baseline, Mm -hmm. but now that you have these chemicals going on, and if I saw orange smoke, I would run. Very strange yellow-orange color. So they saw the seawater near the hull begin to boil while high i'm sorry is it the apocalypse (laughs) while high reaching waves vaporized when they came into contact with the ship many witnesses confirmed that it was around 9 12 a.m when the grand camp exploded in the port of texas city the ship's steel hull which was also loaded with tobacco sisal twine and small arms ammunition 
great turned to shrapnel <laughs> i mean just fantastic ammunition and twine and tobacco it's it's the weirdest combination of items to be on a ship in my opinion <laughs> it's a cargo ship you know it's i mean i hear you load it up texas city is right by galveston this explosion sent a massive fireball hundreds of feet in the air and caused a 15-foot wave that crashed into the docks and flooded the surrounding areas. Windows shattered as far away as Houston, which is about 40 miles away. Holy crap! And vibrations were also felt from the blast that registered on a seismograph in Denver, Colorado. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was swallowing my wine. I know. I saw it. <laughs> so I was, it took me a moment. Denver. Colorado. Denver, Colorado. That is some kind of explosion. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. An oil barge anchored in the port was no, blown no, 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 out no, no, of no. the water and landed 110 feet away on land. Oh, okay. Everyone standing nearby, including most of the firefighters, were killed instantly. I mean, yes. They had to think it was the end of the world. Like, if you were standing near this, it had to seem like the end of the world. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been near some natural disasters, and every time I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the end days. Jesus, that had to be fucking terrifying. What's sad is that there were so many people, onlookers, that came to the docks to watch. You know, there's this great tribe, like, what's going on, what's happening? Are loved ones okay? They're waiting for people to come off the ships. They're waiting for people to do it, like, who worked on the docks, whatever it was. They went there to make sure everything was okay while the firefighters fought the blaze. And then everything erupted. And a 15-foot tidal wave completely took out all the nearby buildings. It was, it's... An oil rig. Boop. Plopped like, out. Thrown 110 miles Oh, miles, no, feet, <laughs> miles. It's not 110 miles. I'm getting ahead of myself. 110 feet away, and, you know, who knows Who knows what happened with everything that was on that boat, the people on that boat, how, where it landed. I mean, I'm just thinking that bullets are flying every direction. The ammunition, tobacco, the smokes fill, like, God, smoke imagine in the, the twine. Oh, so much twine. Kind of don't want to continue, but all right. <laughs> so the surrounding dock was destroyed as were about 1,000 buildings in the area. Many of them were oil refineries and hazardous material plants, which caught on fire. The resulting blaze sent a massive cloud of black smoke into the sky. The Monsanto chemical plant across the way was leveled, killing about 145 employees inside. Two small sightseeing planes flying in the air at the time of the explosion were, were caught in the shockwave, and they came crashing to the ground. Ugh. Over 1,100 vehicles were damaged, and 362 freight cars were obliterated. This is, like, absurd. 
It's absurd how much damage this is doing. So the cause of the fire was never really determined, but the rumors said that it could have happened by a cigarette being discarded the previous day. Don't smoke, people. Which means that the ship's cargo hold could have been smoldering throughout the night when the fire was first discovered that morning. And it probably was, yeah. Which was why the water boiled around it and it was too hot to the touch. And people noticed the warmth of the ship. The ship was hot. The fire continued to burn into the next day. And around 1.10 a.m. on April 17th, ammonium nitrate on the second cargo ship... The SS High Flyer exploded. That blast killed two more people and destroyed a nearby ship. The oil refineries burned for days afterwards, and destruction poured into nearby areas, making 2,000 people homeless. In the aftermath, firefighters from four different cities came to help, and about 500 gas masks were shipped in to aid rescuers as they cut through the clouds of smoke and and toxic nitrogen dioxide to help the injured. The high school gym in the area was converted into a temporary morgue and a local auto mechanic shop was used as an embalming room. And that's what you do in mass casualties. Mm -hmm. The exact number of deaths were never really determined. Estimates are between 500 to 600 people and it was difficult to determine because of the condition of the bodies and a number of visiting laborers and seamen. Right. I mean, they don't have entirely great records on these cargo ships of exactly who's on no. there. And they pick people up in ports. They work. In and out. They are in and, in and out. And I mean. Some might stay because there's family. Not and just that, might, but like, like people who are visiting the area maybe mm-hmm. didn't. People didn't realize they were missing. Some people live the next town over and they see the smoke and they come over wondering what's going on. And, you know. Hey, hey Robin. Do you know what happens in a mass casualty incident? They, they turn the high school gym into a morgue. I mean. When first responders arrive to a scene and there's a ton of people. Yes. They go around first and they pretty much mark the people off at, that could be saved and mark the people that just leave them there yeah. because they're going to die anyway. If, yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you're alive. Like a red or a black and you or require, green. Or yeah. Too many resources, you get a black tag. Yeah. I knew that. And you're going to die because they're not going to. Yeah. And they move on to the next. And, and they this move one, on to the next. Oh, this one's a green tag. Here, this, like, here. The walking wounded's like, mm-hmm. green tag. Right. So a person can be alive and be considered dead. Yeah. And they move on to the next. Mm-hmm. So the work of identifying the bodies continued through mid-June. Sweet jibbities. About 63 bodies were buried unidentified. And roughly 3,500 people were said to have been severely wounded. There were practical measures implemented in the aftermath of the Texas City disasters, including precautions and better labeling for ammonium nitrate, as well as reforming the port to handle petroleum exclusively. But the legacy of the disaster is the most evident as the subject of the first class action lawsuit against the United States. Just a year before the disaster, many decades of consideration, Congress passed the Federal Tort Claim Act of 1946, providing citizens the right to compensation for negligence and misdeeds by federal employees. In 1953, the case went before the Supreme Court, and a minority opinion in the suit determined that the government had been at fault in how it shipped fertilizer to recovering arms of Europe, that it had been negligent in its manufacturing, shipping, and laboring practices, and failed to warn handlers about the dangerous effects of ammonium nitrate and did not supervise or enforce safe shipping and storage. Justice Robert Howard Jackson has stated, This was a man-made disaster. It was in no sense an act of God. 
but a minority opinion still meant a loss. The majority of the justices feared a ruling for the plaintiff would set a fearsome example allowing citizens to stop countless government processes by claiming harm. Elizabeth Dalehe, who lost her husband and had her own injuries that left small shards of glass in her skin, teamed up with her lawyer, Russell Markwell, to appeal directly to Congress. Congress eventually sided with the minority opinion of the Supreme Court and passed the Texas Claims Act in 1955. President Eisenhower signed it, though it was rumored that he actually hated the idea of putting blame on the government for a disaster that caused $100 million in property damage, injured thousands, and killed hundreds of lives. The Texas Claim Act distributed $17 million among the 1,394 victims of the disaster. The port was finally rebuilt, but to handle oil products only. <laughs> the disaster also left a mark in the city, but the people of Texas City proved resilient. In 1962, the city transformed the anchor from the Grand Camp that weighed two tons, which was blown off of the ship and landed about a mile and a half away and was buried in a 10-foot crater near the Texas City Railroad Terminal. They found it well-preserved, and they turned it into a large memorial. Wow. So that is the story of the Texas City disaster, the largest non-nuclear explosion in U.S. history. Just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring. <laughs>